of Ruth 1. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife, Naomi. The name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left. And her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah. She married Chilion. And the name of the other was Ruth, who married Malon. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. That's staggering to think about. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. The three of them there together. You talk about sorrow. Those are three widows. Two very young and one older. And who knows... And who would even try to measure which grief is most profound? The one who's lost one at a young age or the one who's lost one that they've dealt with for so many years. And so, they're weeping together, three widows. And Naomi needing to be the strength for the three. Verse 10, And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And their bereavement and their sorrow seems like the thing to do. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Notice her term. Affectionate close. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and I should also bear sons. Would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lift up their voice and wept again. Please note this. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people, unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to return from following after thee. 
For whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking under her. And uh, when you look at verse 14, you see this contrast here. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And I want to speak to you this evening on the differences of the same relationship. The differences of the same relationship. If you allow the Scripture to guide our minds, you can be helped not just for tonight, but long term you can have some help and direction and relationships in your life. Let's pray together to that end. Let's talk to the Lord and get, get help. Father, it's been good to be here. And uh, though all details of the service not as we planned, it seems that each detail has had you attending to it and you've blessed and we've enjoyed. Thank you. Now, Lord, with the preaching of your word, may we be very uh, focused on our track with what you have to teach us and help us to learn well the lessons set before us. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. These two women, Orpah and Ruth, had on the surface the same relationship to Naomi. She was mother-in-law to both. She was also the only member of their husband's family left alive which they knew personally. However, during the time of their duress, it became evident that the same relationship they enjoyed was actually quite different in its depth and its durability for each of them. The contrast to the same relationship, we're going to see some Bible truths that are going to help each of us. Myself, as I studied it, and I believe as I preach it, all as I've gained from it. But it'll help each of us with all of our relationships. At the end of the message, at the end of dealing with some Bible thoughts here, I will take us to a Bible chapter that will show us specifically, very specifically, how the child of God can enjoy strong, healthy, godly relationships. Because that's part of our heritage to be able to do that. And also uh, to be able to do so with a wide variety of people that will come across our path. And so um, I want to give you some Bible thoughts about the differences of the same relationship. What was Naomi's relationship to both Orpah and to Ruth? She was their what? Mother-in-law, all right? And they were her daughters-in-law. In fact, she addressed them as her daughters with that. I got tickled one day. At, uh, uh, I saw a very feisty look um, from uh, Lauren when I was preaching and I was talking about children. And I said, I don't have any daughters. Man, did she give me a look. Well, I was just thinking about at the Manning household, we had two boys. Well, I was letting on at lunch that that's not the estate anymore. And it, was, it wasn't taken well that I was not claiming in public my daughter-in-law. And so... Uh, it's, uh, so we have them, and now i got a little blonde-haired intruder, too. i got a granddaughter whose name I remember one out every three times I try. Um, but she, uh, uh, it's different. It's a different world with them. I'm used to that. My wife's the only girl we had around. The rest of us were just barbarians. But, they, uh, 
But it's uh, they're they're the same, but then uh, they they both have the same relationship on on the surface. Also, theirs is even more so because in that family you had Elimelech, who was the father, and by the timing, the way it's phrased, it sounds as if Malon and, uh, and Chilion both got married after he died. That's the way the wording goes with it. Now, if it was preparatory to that, if they already knew these girls ahead of time, I don't know. But it says that Naomi was left and her two sons, and, and they, they, they took wives. And, and uh, uh, Malon married Ruth. He met Ruth and married her. And, and then uh, Chilion uh, uh, met uh, Orpah and married her. And so the relationship that both uh, Ruth and Orpah had with this family, they for sure knew Malon and Chilion. They both knew the other. And they knew Naomi. And then Malon and Chilion pass away. So the only one they know out of their families, their husband's family, is Naomi. Now, could somebody have visited from uh, Judah into, into Moab? With that? Yeah, they could have. But as far as those who were living in Moab, it was just Elimelech's family. So if you think about this relationship, it seems even more concentrated, if it were, you could say it that way, to be the same because it wasn't like there was a long-term relationship and this or that. My wife and I meeting at the young age that we did, uh, we were so interwoven with each other's family. It's just, you know, for 40 years we've been a part of each other's lives and known each other and known our families. And, you know, she called my mom Mall Bear. That was what she did with that. Her, her mom says I'm her, I'm her other son. And, and we have all this sort of thing, but we know the brothers and the sisters and all the weird cousins and how we know all of it okay all, all the ins and outs and which ones you say howdy to and which ones you go to the other house on you know and then other in the house of thanksgiving we got it down but with but with ruth and with uh with uh, orpah they uh they just had those connections and now all they have is naomi but there are differences of the same relation please catch the bible truths i'm going to give him Started thinking Bible thoughts with this, and these thoughts were guided not uh, from a philosophical approach, but from what I was seeing in the Scripture. Here's some thoughts that will help you with relationships. Number one, just because two relationships are different in their depth, and you got to admit these two were, and in their conclusion, where they're headed, does not mean one must be valid and the other invalid. I will build on this in just a moment. It was not an issue of Ruth is good and Orpah is evil. It was not that issue. And so, just because two relationships don't have the same depth doesn't mean this one is valid and this one is invalid. Second thought I had Naomi did not despise the lesser relationship because it did not match the greater one. Orpah did not demonstrate that, that incredible loyalty that Ruth did. But Naomi's whole approach to Orpah is not just solicitous, but you can tell she loved her. And she did not think less of her. But Orpah did not match Ruth. And it seems, and I'll grant you, if you say there's limited evidence here, preacher, I'll grant you that. But it seems that Naomi did not compare them in her mind 
between the two and tried to make one match up with the other. Third statement, Naomi desired and sought what was best for each of her daughters-in-law. Naomi at no point said to her daughters-in-law, well, here's what would be good for me. She didn't do that. She counseled them according to what would be best, what she believed would be best for them. And, you ready? This is the part where it gets a little tough. She did not demand of them a certain course of action. Now, here's where you really need to zero in. I'm talking about having good, healthy, godly relationships. She counseled them according to what she believed was best. But then she did not demand that they obey that counsel. Suggestions that lead to someone being upset if they're not followed are not suggestions, they are demands. Here's another statement. All healthy relationships recognize the valid rights of the one with whom you have a relationship without compromising your own convictions in doing so. There are people I love in my family and, and uh, my extended family who choose not to go to church. Who choose not to serve the Lord. Now, I'm not saying it's a right choice. But I recognize the fact that is their choice to make. Not mine. Therefore, Obviously, at this age in life and what I've done since I was a teenager, I'm known as the preacher in our family on both sides. I'm the preacher. And so, um, I don't feel it necessary every time I see one of them to begin a personal sermon on why they need to be somewhere different in their spiritual life. I don't feel the necessity to get on them about what they're not doing or else think that I am compromising by not doing so. God Himself. I'm not saying God endorses a wrong decision that's against His Word. It's going to take a little maturity to catch what I'm saying to you right here. I'm not saying God endorses actions that are different than His Word. I am saying that God their Creator gave them the ability to decide. It's not my place to step in and override that. I'm not talking about these youngins here. And by the way, guiding them is a whole lot better way of doing it. And that's a good way to do it. But, you know, <laughs> youngins, look at preacher. You got no vote at your age, right? That's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, I know Daniel looks totally good. Really, preacher? <laughs> but what you desire is important. And you are important to the Lord. And so the Lord loves it when you do want to serve Him. It makes Him happy. And so what happens when we are dealing with other people to have a healthy relationship we have to understand 
and recognize their valid rights. You say, why do you keep saying valid rights? Well, because they don't have a valid right to misuse. They don't have a valid right to take advantage of somebody. Uh, someone, uh, let's say if we had, and we don't have the situation, but we had, a, uh, let's say we had a relation that was, I'll say verbally harsh or abusive to my wife when we went to visit somewhere. No, uh, that's not going to go. That's, that's not going to go. I'll take the turkey out and stuff them in the oven. Uh, it's not going to work. I'm not going to let somebody misuse my wife. That's not a valid right. You see what I'm saying? They're crossing. They're, they're damaging something. But a valid right, maybe somebody comes up and says, you know what? I know you're a preacher and all, but I don't believe any of that stuff. I'm not saying what they're doing is right, but they were made with the capacity to make that decision. That's a good word for it. And so, they need... Okay. Wish you didn't believe that way because it's erroneous. Wish you knew how good the Lord was because that's a lot better. But I don't have to jump in about that. I have to go seek them out. Now, here, let me make a statement to you. This truth I've just given you, building up to this, that she didn't despise the lesser relationship because it wasn't as strong as the stronger, because it wasn't a decision of good and evil between Ruth and Orpah here, uh, that she counseled them but then did not demand of them what they would do, that she was able to uh, uh, recognize their valid rights, but not demand for them to do what she said. There are people who will not stay in a relationship if someone won't do what they say. Someone, they say, well, I told them they wouldn't listen to me, so I have nothing to do with them. What you're dealing with at a point like that is a manipulator. You're dealing with a full-on, full-scale manipulator, and it's evil. And if you're doing it, you're being evil. Someone needs you to look you in the God-given eyeball and say, you have no right to behave that way. You're out of line. And by the way, you do that to manipulator, they bounce around off the walls. And they do. They'll blow up, man, when you do that. And that's awesome just for entertainment value. It's great. But, it's, but, but the point is that this truth I'm giving you right now is very hard for weaker Christians. Because the insecurity of immature belief makes them think that they have to control every situation, control what people believe, demand what people believe, or just give in to it. Instead of just being strong in Christ, taking your stand, speaking clearly, speaking up when it's time to speak up, and then leave that thing go and serve God with your life and keep going forward regardless of what anybody else does. I love the fact that Joshua didn't say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And all the rest of you better too. <laughs> he also didn't say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Is that okay with everybody? No. <laughs> we were to get together yesterday, a bunch of kids, and they were having a good time and such. And, and uh, uh, it was a little birthday deal. And, and uh, I heard two or three parents, different parents, uh, their, their kids were doing something. They say, now you need to quit doing that, okay? And I'm going... I didn't say a word, but I'm thinking, sorry, I was a weird kid. I turned around and said, nope. I mean, you ask. When you attach okay to it, you're asking permission. I ask okay. Do that okay. No, we do that. You don't have to be mean about it, but no. You just say, hey, hey, quit throwing rocks, okay? No, I like throwing rocks. Um, 
You say, you're training my child to be a turkey. Well, good, then quit saying okay and they won't be. Quit asking permission to lead your children. I've never walked up here a day in my almost 30 years. I'm going to preach this morning, okay? I'm going to lead this church, okay? God, help us. No. I get up here, I'm going to preach, I'm going to lead, and you're going to do whatever you want anyway. I know how this works. Okay? Um, are we all okay? Um, Follow this thought with it. Demanding all or nothing in relationships. Demanding all or nothing in relationships. It's quite often pride-based and is an indicator of someone who's immature and insecure regarding their position in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about how to have healthy, strong, godly relationships. Demanding is not part of the formula. Even if you have to set hard fast, and you will need to in life, if you set hard fast boundaries and you say, this is it, you know, I'm not going to be a part of this, okay, if you make this choice, it has its consequences with our relationship, it's still not the same as demanding. You're just very clearly in control saying, we're not going past here. This is a no trespassing zone. That's different than demanding. It's a, it's a totally different approach. Um, though the title of the relationship to Naomi was the same, the daughters-in-law, their relationship was not. Orpah's connection to Naomi was apparently predominantly through another person, her husband. Ruth's connection was to Naomi herself. Now I'll show you this. Look in, uh, look in uh, Ruth's Chapter 4. I have all my stuff set over there by uh, Romans, so I'll be kind of going back and forth and finding my place as I find and lose Ruth in the Old Testament. Ruth chapter 4. Joshua, Judges. There we are. I'm getting close. I'm zeroing in on her. There we are. It's funny, I took the thing I was marking my place with out of the way because it was bothering me. Ruth chapter 4. I said to this, the title of the relationship was the same, but the connection wasn't. Orpah's connection was predominantly through Chilion, through Naomi's son. And by the way, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying there's a different, there was a different basis or strength. Whereas Ruth's relationship wasn't just through Malon, but was directly to um, Naomi. And, and Ruth 4 and uh, verse 14, this of course then is after Boaz and Ruth get married and then uh, Ruth is going to have the child, the Obed, who would become the, uh, the father of Jesse, who would become the father of David. And uh, that's, that's what's going on here in verse 14. It says, And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. Now think about this. Ruth is a Moabite. She's come among the Jewish community. She's come as a foreigner into this land, so she's starting from a disadvantage. 
But look what the people say to Naomi regarding Ruth. Look at the evidence of this relationship. It says, verse 15, And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. Now look what the other ladies say about it. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee. Ruth's relationship was zeroed right in on Naomi. I don't doubt she loved her husband Malon, but I'm saying she loved... <laughs> and don't take this as anything towards Orpah because I don't think the Scripture shows that. But Ruth did not regard her mother-in-law as necessary baggage attached to getting this man as her husband. Now, I'm not telling you that every, every relationship with every in-law has to be wonderful or you're not right with God, okay? I mean, you talk about a classic example laying more on people than they can bear. That would be it. really would. Because some, some in-laws act more like outlaws. You know what I mean? That's not the point. The point is, as you're thinking about various relationships, realize some relationships are a lot deeper than others because the connection's deeper, even though you have the same, even though you have the same title with it. And so it says, For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. He said, One thing why this child's so special to you is because of whose child it is, because Ruth loves you. And by the way, Ruth's been better to you than seven sons. Wow. In the Jewish community? You, you understand what kind of statement that is? The value of having the sons and saying, wow. And so, the title was the same, but the connection was not. That's why someone can, uh, can say, uh, I lost my father, and they have less emotional output to that than someone who said, my uncle just died. And that uncle meant more to... Or my friend from... The title does not determine the relationship. The connection does. Brings us to the last Bible thought I'm going to give you. And then we're going to transition to the chapter in the New Testament which will show you just some quick quick things. And they're not quick in their application, but they're easy to, to digest that will help us have strong healthy, godly relationships on our behalf. Now, the people on the other side of the relationship can mess the thing up. They have the power. But on our behalf, we'll go about it the right way. And that's, that's, that's what we can do. We should do what we can do. Last Bible thought I want to give you with this is, is uh, deep relationships are born of decision, not just circumstances, necessity, or obligation. Deep and healthy relationships are born of decision. Some of the best advice I ever got regarding marriage came from a fellow by the name of Ken Scott. I lived with Ken and Marlene Scott for a summer before my wife and I got married. Worked for him for the summer. And it was a very lucrative <laughs> uh, summer. I uh, paid off the school bill I had coming out of the previous semester. Bought her uh, wedding set and, and engagement ring and stuff to surprise her with. And then uh, uh, paid enough to get, uh, got enough to get back in school and be started for the next semester. But every morning, Mr. Scott, who is, was a multimillionaire by then, but had built his own business from the ground up, he, uh, we would go out before I'd go out and, and, and uh, go out to lay, lay sod, did 11 semis in just under two weeks. It's a lot of sod putting down. 
And uh, we were, uh, every morning we'd go to breakfast at a place called the Salad Bowl. And he'd get two eggs over medium, he'd get two pieces of toast and wheat toast. Uh, two, two eggs over medium, two pieces of bacon rather, and wheat toast. That's what he'd eat every morning. And, uh, and we were sitting there and I told him one time, I said, uh, I said, look, I said, you know, I'm planning on going back. You all are helping me. They were teaching me about what to look for in a diamond and all that and introduced me to their jeweler and, and, and uh, got a nice set. And uh, I, he, I said, uh, I said, my, my dad has never been in the picture and has never been a part of things at all. I said, my stepdad, I, I care for him. He's not the fellow who'd sit down and give advice. My, my stepdad's total advice when I got married was this. You might try this, Brother Keith. We, the, the, the week we were getting married, like the day before, he took me aside, my stepdad did, and he said, uh, and I, I thought, man, he said, I want to tell you something. You're getting married tomorrow. And I thought, whoa. I really did. I thought, man, he's never talked to me or talked about something. And he goes, now, he says, here's what I want to tell you. And I'm listening. I'm really zeroed in. He said, when you drive by here today, you say, that's my house. He said, when you drive by here tomorrow, you say, that's my mom and dad's house. <laughs> there you go. Well, somebody got something out of the service. <laughs> well, that was my training. And uh, there you go. <laughs> but I said, uh, I said, yeah, I respected his wisdom, still do, and I, uh, the, the Mr. Mr. Ken Scops, and I said, uh, I said, talk to me like I was your son. What would you tell me? I'm getting married, and he's eating. He says, well, he says, loves a lot about decision. He said, you've been married a while. He and his wife have been married a long time at that time, and there's some adversities. You had lupus, and, and has had for many many years. And he said, uh, he said, as you're married, he says, you're you're going to see things that bother you, that annoy you, and you're going to see things you really like. This is what he did. He said, whether or not your love grows, it depends on what you decide to look at. Pass, pass me the jelly, will you? I mean, that's what you call getting it done about counsel, about that pass. A lot of what you love is going to be determined by what you decide to look at. Deep relationships are not just say, let's have a deep relationship. First of all, that's weird. And it doesn't work. That's the other thing, okay? When I'm talking about deep relationships, I'm not talking about us going around trying to measure them. I'm talking about actually being will, able to care about people and be involved enough to where we could actually help somebody. But they're born of decision, not, not of circumstance or occasion or anything like that. I give you evidence of that in the book of Ruth again looking at Ruth chapter 1 we read this but look how purposeful Ruth's statements are you understand they're very emotional these three ladies recently widowed two daughters-in-law and the mother-in-law all grieving this similar loss in their lives of different proportionality that's similar in its origin and, and, and the emotion of this time Verse 16, Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Did she know where Naomi was going other than she was going home? She said, I don't know where life's going to take you, but I'll go with you. That's a decision of commitment. Whither thou goest, I will go. 
And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Did she know of a certainty what type of lodging Naomi would have and whether it would be better or worse than what she'd had? She didn't. She said, I'll be with you. Thy people shall be my people. And then I believe the central thing in there, and thy God, my God. She said, by the way, how long do I intend this? Where thou diest, will I die. And by the way, when I die there, I don't want to be brought back to Moab. And there will I be buried. Then she said, Lord, do aught and more to me. So to me and more also, if aught but death part of thee and me. She said, here's the commitment. Well, nah, you can't end in a bad day. She didn't say, okay, if everything goes okay, and you know, we always get... She said, I'm committed to you. Circumstances could change the inner workings of a relationship like that, but not the fact of it. And so these things help us to understand. Now the reality is, some people, and perhaps even some you here tonight, have a hard time developing or even considering developing strong or deep relationships. In fact, a close relationship or being open to things is a bit scary to you. Um, in the New Testament, go over to the book of Romans chapter 12. I want to give you the Scripture. I want to show you some things in a familiar chapter to you. Romans 12. I want to show you some things that have Bible teaching in the New Testament that help us to be able to have the right kind of relationships. Romans chapter 12. We're going to begin in verse 3. For I say through the grace of God, the grace, excuse me, given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according to God, hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Here, here's a statement. Uh, what the Bible guides us to, for us to be healthy enough to have a healthy relationship. Did you catch what I just said to you? For us to be healthy enough to have healthy relationships. The reason why people can't have healthy relationships is because they're not healthy enough to. We've got to be healthy in the Lord. And then we can be healthy in our relationships. I put this statement down with verse 3. We need right thinking regarding self. Romans chapter 12 is going to guide us into right thinking and right behavior that leads to right relationships. Romans 12, right thinking and right behavior that leads to right relationships. I don't want anybody to raise their hand, but I guarantee you, in a crowd like this this evening, there's a good number of you, if I asked for a raise of hands, you would, when I could say, have you known somebody personally who has been involved in an abusive or damaging situation and they just kept getting hurt and getting hurt and never did anything to set up a boundary or deal with it. And then if they if that relationship ended, they went straight into another one of the same type. It is so common that it is heartbreaking. Why? Because it's not healthy. And one thing about it is right thinking regarding self. The Bible speaks about that in that verse that every man ought to th not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. 
And then it deals with the fact that God's dealt with each of us. That we're neither to have an exalted opinion nor are we to abase ourselves and, and, and go below what God's actually made us to be. We need to dare to be healthy enough to see things the way God shows us in the Bible. That none of us who are His creation are trash. And certainly those of us who are redeemed have a high responsibility and a high opportunity to be useful to the Lord. We need to be willing to say that. Look in verses 4-8 through 8 in Romans chapter 12. Look at those pass- that passage there. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, look at verse uh, 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 8, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And it, it, these statements here in these verses, when I look at this, verses 4 through 8, we need right thinking and right behavior in relationship to our placement in the body of Christ and the use of our gifts and talents there. I, I, I've seen Christian people either beat themselves up because they didn't perceive themselves to be as talented as some other believers. And they go around with this sort of, you know, down expression, well, I'm not really needed around here. Well, I tell you what, I can't do this, I can't do that. Very selfish thinking. Comparing themselves with people they don't even know the full story on. It's very revealing being a pastor. Hey, pastor, I want to meet with you. Okay. What? I'll tell you what, I just got problems and I'm struggling in my spiritual life. I wish I was like brother so-and-so, he's got it all together. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> oh, brother. Why? Because brother so-and-so had been in last week saying, you know what? I'm not telling you nobody's walking with God and nobody loves God, but what I'm telling you is we're all in flesh and we need the help of the Lord, so I'm telling you. <laughs> And so what happens is right thinking in our placement in the body of Christ. The Bible deals a lot with that, doesn't it? And how the eye can't say that it's, you know, there's no need because it's not the ear and so on and so forth. And the Bible talks about that and gives that type of illustration. But that makes a big difference. Other people imagine that they're more valuable than what they are because they do have certain skill sets. Well, this church couldn't get along without me. A pompous guy came in when we used to be in the old building back here. Walked in the back door. He walked in. There was a stench of pride about knocking me down. He walked up there and after the service, he stuck his hand out, gave me one of those cheesy grins. He says, well, he goes, uh, I think we met before. I said, yeah, one time. He goes, well, I'm looking, I might be going to a different church and just I'm kind of my pastor's right-hand man. I thought, man, reattach yourself to him because we don't need you around here. He wasn't a right hand. He was a Jake leg. He, serious, bad news. Uh, he wandered down down the road, terrorized somebody else. But it was, uh, was he? And he really did. I'm telling you, that was. Uh, he was one of three that I can specifically think of that were that flagrant with it. It was like, you know, this church is just lucky to have me. And you know, not bragging, giving God all the glory, but I'm really the one who's held this together. 
We've been through five pastors, but I've held the church together. That's because you ran five of them off. I'm telling truth right here. I'll tell you again why I'm telling truth later. But I'm telling truth. What is this? This is, this is not understanding our placement. Then when we understand our placement, that we have a value uh, in the family of God. We have a value to the Lord. We understand that it's God's grace that lets us do what we do. And yes, thank God if you've developed the abilities given. Yes, thank God and I acknowledge the time it takes to do that. I don't belittle that, but there's a good hand of God that we're able to because there's been many people with whatever abilities we have, they had that same ability. And you know what? That fast they can be gone. That fast they can be nullified. That fast you can give in to temptation. And if you're tonight wanting to serve your God, and if tonight you've got the ability to be up and about and you have your strength about you ought to thank God tonight why because it's a wonderful wonderful gift to be able to do that and so what is it right relationship right thinking regarding self uh, right regardment to our behavior and placement in the body of Christ and our gifts and talents with that and then look in verses 9 and 10 of, of chapter 12 look there at that uh, what a tremendous truth in there it says let love be without dissimulation abhor that which is evil Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. What is that? Right thinking, right behavior in our personal relationships. Love without dissimulation is a real and deep love which comes from real and deep relationships. Everything in those verses I just read has to do with our personal relationships, how we treat one another. Hey, listen. We need a revival of Christian people not treating each other badly. It's not okay. Hey, look up at me. Preaching to you. Part of what I'm talking about. Pay attention. It's not okay just because you've had a rough day or a rough morning for past brother or sister in the hallway and they say good morning and you go, hmm. Look right at me. It's not okay. That's not acceptable. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your name is. There's nowhere I'm not looking. That's not okay. It's not, it's not all right for a Christian brother and sister uh, to say hi to you and you just ignore them and blow them off like they're not there. It's not okay. It's not right. That's rude. My mama would have got a hold of you if you'd done that and she'd seen you. You don't have a right to treat people wrongly. That's what those verses... Look at those verses. This is the Word of God. This is what we are to follow in our living. These are God's words, not man's idea. And this is how we're to treat one another. May God help us to do it and do it well. Then, look in verse 11... It's part of that. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Right thinking, right behavior regarding our work ethic and the motive behind it. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a supervisor. I'm not saying it's wrong to have someone who oversees you at all with that. I don't think everybody needs to run each company and everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. You're not. not everybody, uh, that's not a good idea for everybody. But I will make a, a blanket statement here. No Christian should have to have somebody watching whether they're working or not. 
In other words, you're just going to be you know, dawdling around if someone's not looking over your shoulder. That's not godly. Nothing wrong with having to have instruction. Nothing wrong. You say, man, I, I got somebody kind of come up with the project and then I can do it. Awesome. Nothing wrong with that at all. That's nothing. That's, that's good. <laughs> In fact, that may be the nicer place to be. You can actually leave work and leave it. But <laughs> work ethic. Look at verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant prayer. Put this down with that. I'm talking about how to have healthy, right relationships. Right thinking and right behavior toward tribulation. How do you handle trouble? Your children are watching how you handle trouble. Your coworkers are watching how you handle trouble. Church members are watching how you say, well, it's none of their business. No man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. We have a responsibility, a duty, and a privilege of influencing others with what we do with our life. And it's time we get our thumb out of our mouth, put down the pacifier, and grow up and accept that responsibility. Verses 13 through 18, look at this. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one to another. Toward another. Mind not high things, nor condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men." Right thinking, right behavior that leads to principled, purposeful, and open relationships. That's what you see going on. Principled, here's, here's how I do things. Principled, here's how I, I react to people. Principled, and what? Purposeful. There's a reason behind it. We're trying to do something for the Lord. We're trying to do something in someone's life and help them. It goes to that. And then look at these last two verses here, 19 and 20, uh, 19, 20 and 21, last three verses rather. Dearly beloved, don't you love that title? This, that's the spirit of this whole thing. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You're trespassing into God's territory when you try to uh, get vengeance for yourself. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. Right thinking and right behavior toward hurts that people bring to us. As I said to you this morning and quoted to you the statement that Jesus made, it is, it is not possible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him by whom the offense cometh. We're going to have offenses come at us. We're going to have things happen. Now here's the thing. We've got to have right thinking right behavior towards people and the hurts that come towards us. I skipped two verses. Did anybody catch that? I was showing you this chapter, how to have healthy and strong relationships. Anybody catch what I skipped? What, two verses? Anybody? Some of you nod your head. What did I skip? One and two. I did that purposely. Look at verses one and two. Everything else we just went over in these just few minutes here, everything else for doing things right are built upon verses one and two. 
I beseech you therefore. Now I say then, excuse me, I say then, I'm in chapter 11. Um, verse 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, say what? What do we think that actually means? Everything else in that chapter shows us what that means. That we present our body the living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Your body's living sacrifice is your tongue, part of your body. Then that means how you speak to people. Are your hands part of your body? Then that means how you work and how you, how you do things. Are your feet part of your body? Then that means where you go. Is your brain part of your body? Then that means what you think about and what you give your attention. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies the living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. The Bible describes the world in three phrases. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. So the motivating power of the world as it's talking about the world then, not the created structure of it, but the world system is lust, lust, and pride. Lust seeks to consume that which it desires. As long as you meet my need, I find need for you. The currency of God's economy and the motivation and power behind God's way of doing things is love. Love seeks to do what is best for the object loved. There's a huge difference. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, put into practical use, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so on these two verses, everything else we read in Romans 12 that will teach us how to have right, healthy, godly relationships starts with us and our relationship and the presenting of ourselves as a living sacrifice to our God. And from that comes all the strength and comes all that we need to have right relationships with others. The evidence of those two verses, which were not yet penned at the time that Ruth was alive, although the Word of God is settled forever in heaven, they were evidenced in her life. I turn you back to the book of Ruth. We'll look in chapter 2. All the summary of what we just learned in Romans chapter 12 is evidenced in Ruth's life. Chapter 2, verse 11. This is Boaz speaking to Ruth. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath... Been, it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast... What's that next word? Done. Actions. Done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. And how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity 
and are come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. She didn't. She had not been in there. The Lord recompense thee. Recompense thy work, rather. And a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel. Look at it. Under whose wings thou art come to trust. He said, Ruth, you learn to trust the God of Israel. And that has caused you to be able to do all these other things right. The weakness of our relationships is actually really the weakness of a relationship. And that's our relationship with God. For from that relationship with God comes our ability to deal honestly, forthrightly, and consistently with people that we want to love. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your people. Thank You for the truths of Your Word. God, may we, myself, these, may we live it. Help us, O oh God, to live it. We're not asking You to do our part, but Lord, we are acknowledging to You right now our inability in and of our own strength of our flesh. We know it because we've seen our own failings over and over. God, may we present ourselves to You in such a real way that we can live in a real way. Help Your people to find the freedom of doing things the right way in the relationships. Bless, please, for the long term. Lord, I ask you specifically for our young people here tonight. May some of this truth lodge in their hearts and determine their direction from an early age. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand together. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? We don't have a piano tonight and such. We're not going to try to get the guitar playing. Just come. Talk to the Lord. You don't need to be coaxed and coerced. You've seen the truth. It's laid out plainly in front of you. Let's be responsive. Let's be helpful. Let's look out for those we love among our congregation who could use a little encouragement, a little I love you, a little, man, we appreciate you around here. Learn to live that way. You'd be amazing to purifying power that has in all of our lives from the inside out. As you grow in these things we learned in Romans 12, you also, some of you will find the strength through God to do that which is very, very tough for you to do, which is to stand and say, okay, this is, here's, here's the line. And uh, love you, but here's the line. No, you're not, going, you're not going to take over my life. My life's for the Lord. Are you getting what I'm saying to you? No, no, you're not going to take over my life. My life's for the Lord. And I'll show you the respect due our relationship, but my life's for the Lord. Boy, there's a great freedom in that. And it has to be learned if that's not what you've normally done. You'll, you'll grow into it with every little step a step towards victory in each area. You can do that. You'll have to learn it. Isn't that what Romans said? By the renewing of your mind, doesn't that mean something has to change and grow? Well, that's awesome. <laughs> this is short. She's what, 83? 
said to me this morning, just randomly, we're driving, well, really randomly, but all of a sudden she says, isn't it neat that we always get to keep learning from the Lord? Now I'm driving along. Yeah. Me and chauffeur back here. She's sitting back there, 83 years old. Just looking around. She said, isn't it neat? We always get to keep learning. I'm like, if you got a couple years on me, I'm for that. I hope 26 years from now, I hope 26 years from now I can communicate with anybody. I'd like to be able to tonight. That's terrible. But um, I hope I'm still wanting to learn from the Lord. Amen. It's been a sweet time in the Lord's house tonight, isn't it? May God help you. Study over those things. They will help you. Let me pray with you and for you. Father, thank You for Your people and the gathering together of them. Lord, may as we head out and different things this week, may You give us grace and wisdom. Bless our families. The ones have some great and big events going on. And Lord, I pray You'll bless them. It may be special in their life. God, I pray that You'll bless and help us to follow You. And uh, Lord, help us to be people that You're pleased with. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Lord, bless You. Thank You for coming tonight.